Good morning. Good morning. It's about 11.30 a.m. On October the 22nd, 2021, in the age of Bo Blimtok, here in Mountain Standard Time, Utah, the high desert, almost a mile up, being chased by coyotes and strange beasts, they run after you as you scream, they run after your blood trail, they can smell your monkey scent from 800 miles away. Yes, here in Utah, we are plagued by monster beasts. We are plagued by strange wanderers. We are plagued by old monk tribes who live up in the caves. These are the old monastic cults of the ancient times, Aztecian and Bablorkian. They carved their images into the side of those cave walls, baby. You could figure out their epic, their history, their bayou tapestry, so to speak, if you want to be all fancy about that, brothers and sisters. But if you're listening on shortwave radio, this is 5950 kilohertz. This is WRMI out of Miami Okeechobee. I don't know if you hear that dog yelping outside. Who knows why that dog is upset? Probably because it hears the coyotes and the wandering tribes. It knows that the monks are coming. It knows that time is growing short and short people are growing angry. It knows. It knows it hears the screams. But if you're listening on shortwave radio, this is 5950 kilohertz WRMI out of Miami Okeechobee. It's either Saturday night or Sunday night, sometime between 11 p.m. and midnight Eastern Standard Time. I hope you're happy about that, right? They made sure the time was standard. They made sure we lived in a dream. They gave us... Halloween, they gave us ice cream, they gave us roads, roads for armies, they gave us prisons, they gave us factories, they gave us, you know, Black Friday, right? And that's pretty racist. But this is no time for joking, brothers and sisters. This is serious business. This is serious times. Can you hear the chimes? Can you hear the notes of ugliness? They're coming for you. They're coming for you, my brothers and sisters. Yep, can't believe it. It'll be Halloween soon, but before we get into topics of Halloween, we'll talk about our first topic, and it's Sklink. 
and Sklink is spelled with a, a hyphen. Well, not a hyphen, it's spelled with an apostrophe or an, an accent. Sklink is spelled Sierra, Kilo, Lima, India, November, Kilo. You pronounce it Sklink. And you're going to probably say, what is Sklink? Well, it's hitting the streets of Salt Lake City, baby. Sklink is everywhere now in Salt Lake City. They even sell it after Temple on Sunday. It's made from Russian olive tree pits that have been dried out. Yes, they take the dried pits from Russian olive tree, olive whatever. And they dry it out and they crush it and they mix it with gasoline, vinegar, essence of the pineal gland of dead cats and dead dogs. They crush it into a powder, they mix it into a liquid, they stick the liquid in a hypodermic needle and they shove it into their arm as if it's the Rona vaccine. The elders of the temple, they're doing this stuff. They're selling this stuff. They're telling the, the kids and the missionaries that it's natural and healthy and it's pure and organic. The Mormon mafia is telling those kids it's a supplement. Just take your sklink. Groganhorg, the penultimate temple master elder of Cedar City, Groganhorg, the overall, overall leader of the Mormon mafia in Cedar City, Grogan Horg is organizing missionaries into hooligan groups and various local, you know, gang clans, and they're taking street corners and they're pushing Sklink. 23 local high school principals have said Sklink is a plague, it's a poison, it's killing those kids. Who's going to do something about Sklink? Anybody? 55 Salt Lake City kindergarten students tested positive for Sklink. This is troubling. What will we do? What will we do? What will we do to fight the sklink? What will we do? Are you willing to stand up for the kids? Are you willing to fight the sklink epidemic? Sklink is a terrible psychedelic, hallucinogenic. It's also, you know, a lot like speed or cocaine or crack. It spaces you out. It accelerates. It pushes you further. 
it floods your brain with dopamine and it turns all your neurons into cranberry sauce. Sklink is powerful and it phases in inside your consciousness until you are a completely soulless wasteoid. Sklink cheats you of your future. It condemns you to live in an endless past. You'll see new vistas. You'll have old grievances. You'll eat the flesh. The flesh of jealousy. You'll eat the flesh of jealousy. Sklink is terrible. Sklink goes by other street names. It's called Clegg, Mormonium, Tears of the Salamander. Too many kids are getting hooked on Sklink. Too many parents are ignoring the warning signs. One of the warning signs of Sklink is watching Rick and Morty. If you watch Rick and Morty, you might be, you know, taking Sklink, right? Another warning sign of Sklink is, you know, having weird colored skin or weird colored hair. If you wear weird clothes, you must be on Sklink. Sklinkies, they, they, are, they do all kinds of weird things. They don't fit in. And, and that's why it's so good for the Mormons to take it over, because they do fit in. And no one will ever see them coming. If they're selling Sklink as they go about in their black slacks and their white shirts and their black ties and their name tags, if they go into the inner city and they push Sklink on people, who's going to do anything about it? Who's going to stop it? They tell the kids you can take Sklink to pass a test. It's a healthy way to get high. It's a healthy way to get good. And they hand out the Sklink to the kids like it's energy powder. But it's not. It's poison. So yeah, I had to do that public service announcement about Sklink. I hope you understand that the Sklink plague is serious business. I have a poster at the website. If you go to if you're listening on shortwave radio, then you might not have access to the internet directly, but if you go to dfgtc.org/shownotes and you pick the right date of your broadcast, then you'll find the right notes and in those notes is a link to a poster and you can print out that poster and you can put it in the bathroom stalls and all over work. Put up the poster to stop Sklink. Okay? Next topic.
Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Games are a slam dance in the mosh pit. And if you think it's all about the rules, baby, then you must think you live in Eden. Games are a slam dance in the mosh pit. And if you think it's all about the rules, then you must think you live in Eden. Now, that's a bit of a convoluted quote from our good friend, Dr. Freckles. And when he put this quote in the notes, I think he was drunk. Um, but what does he mean? What's he getting at? Well, here's what I'm going to get at. You can be really upset and get caught up in the hate the game, not the player, or something like that. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Let me tell you something, straight up, okay? If you've been participating in the United States economy since World War II, and you are a member of the baby boom generation, or older, if you're still alive, you probably look back and say, I paid my taxes, I served my country in Vietnam, I killed the VC for freedom. And maybe you went back and went to Iraq, you know, Iraq in 1990. And maybe you went back a third time to go back to Iraq again in 2003. Maybe you're a service member. Maybe you're a former government employee. Maybe all you are is a person that paid into Social Security their whole life. And you've been drawing on it for a few years now. You have been playing the game, by the rules, paying your taxes, doing it all, and I don't know what to tell you, but the game you've been playing is bogus. I'm not saying you can't make money. You can, just like going to a casino. You can make money at a casino. You probably won't, because casinos are not designed to give money away, and newsflash, the United States economy is not designed to really allow you to get rich, at least in my lifetime. It's not a free economy. It's not capitalism. It's a lot of crooked grifts masquerading as free enterprise with a lot of lawyers to keep you busy. But beyond that, it's really just crooked. At some point in the near future, all of those things that were quote-unquote payouts or rewards or whatever, entitlements for having played the game so honestly, at some point in the future, those rewards are going to go south. One of two things is going to happen. The United States government will default and you will get no money. Or the United States government will also quote-unquote default through inflation and you will get no money, which is to say that they're either going to stop paying you or they're just going to pay you with a lot of bogus money. In either case, the reward, the entitlement, the payoff for having played the game by the rules is going to be zero. Nothing. You get nothing. You can get sad about that, and I know people do. There are people who have really strong OCD issues, perhaps autism. They play chess or they play Go or they play Monopoly or they play Blackjack. And they say to themselves, well, these games seem okay and they got rules. Why can't the world work? Why can't the world, you know, work like that? Well, what I'm going to say is that there probably are ideal games, games that are theoretically fair. And I have no doubt that chess tournaments come close to that. 
But if you're going to tell me that the chess tournament as a structure is inherently fair, I'll tell you you're full of crap. It's not to say that it's unfair, it's just not an ideal game. Ideal games don't really exist. You might have an ideal game between two or more people on a particular day, where all the participants, you know, more or less play by the rules. On any given day, that could happen. In most cases, that never happens. Someone is always cheating. Or, which is as likely, you know, if we're going to tip our hat to that Hanlon's razor crap, as likely as cheating is simple incompetence. But in either case, if you don't know for sure, you can't really say. At some point in the future, if you're a service member, because I didn't stay in, I served only for a couple years and I got out. But let's say I stayed in 20 years and then I got out and I got my, you know, whatchamacallit, <laughs> I got my pension, you know, or whatever, my payouts. And listen, the payouts for service members are pretty decent so far. I mean, so far the inflation isn't so terrible that these payouts are meaningless. But at some point in the future, the payouts are going to stop or they're going to become meaningless, which means that you might end up getting a million bucks a month and that million dollar note you get in the mail will buy you a cup of coffee, maybe breakfast. And that is if you're lucky. That is if, you, is if you're lucky. If you really do believe there is a fragment of honesty a fragment of non-duplicitous behavior, if you actually believe Hanlon's razor crap and you think it's just a bunch of people making mistakes in a big fiasco, fine. And, and you might further believe some of your retirement funds, your pension funds, your 401ks, you name it. I don't care if it's CalPERS or the Department of Defense. Whoever's giving you that check, you might further believe you'll get something. Like, you'll get something. You simply won't get zero. That's very positive thinking, but it might be absurd. And I don't want to spend much time on this topic. I, the main point I want to make is, is that if you, if you want to complain about the fact that everybody should play by the rules, one of the first things you should, should ask, I think, did you play by the rules? I mean, if everyone's supposed to play by the rules, did you? Another question to ask is, what's happening outside the system that you think is fair? Assume the system you're in is fair. What does the system do? If it goes around the world stealing people's natural resources, then I don't care how fair your little internal Logan's Run world is. What it does is inherently unfair. So give up on that idea that you are owed anything. Okay? The only thing you should pray for at this point, and you should hope for if you don't pray, is, is that we're not left with millions of toxic, radiological, monstrous Easter eggs everywhere in the country. Little problems that were created by government that weren't really little, but what they did is they just covered it up with dirt. You should hope there's not a lot of that. That is the stuff that you can't erase by printing money and Bitcoin won't help you with. No amount of crypto is going to take care of all the opportunity costs and all of the ridiculous mistakes made by this crooked empire for the last century. Simply not going to happen. 
Next topic. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. The cops will arrive just in time to smell your rotting corpse. The cops will arrive. The cops will arrive. The cops will arrive just in time to smell your rotting corpse. Oh, Dan, you're so dark today. Okay, it's October in 2021 in the age of Bo Blimtox, so accuse me of being dark, that's fine. What is Dr. Freckle saying here? Well, you know, how can I put this? It's one thing to believe that your Social Security and your 401k and your 50% of your last year's pay military pension will still be there that CalPERS won't simply evaporate at some point. You can have those delusional thoughts. But here's where we get more delusional. There are people who truly believe that if someone is breaking into your house to kill you, picking up the phone and calling the cops is a good idea. Let's say somebody broke into your home and it's a quiet night and you're alone. And they're going through the house, knocking things over. Do you really want to make a lot of noise? Do you want to pick up your phone? Do you want to say, Alexa, call 911? Hey, Google, make sure you call the Seattle Police Department. Their response times are like, I don't know, about 10 minutes, right? I would would argue that picking up the phone and making that phone call could be a tactical error. It's entirely possible that that burglar just wants to be left alone to steal crap. If you don't intend to engage with the burglar, you probably don't want to immediately make the call if they can hear you. If they can't hear you, make the call all quietly fine, but don't expect the cops to show up in time to help you. That's it. And at some point in the near future, the the entire notion of picking up the phone and calling the cops will be an absurdity. And it might not be forever in the sense of maybe your community establishes some type of, I don't know, general citizen protection, whatever, security, blah, blah, blah. I have no idea what different communities will do at this point, given what public education has produced. It's possible, but right now, and for the foreseeable future, believing the cops will help you or save you if someone comes after you with violent intention, I think is crazy. Can you hear it? If you, if you listen at night, can you hear it? In your neighborhood, there's a house that might not seem abandoned, but it is abandoned by hope. In your neighborhood, there's a group of people, families and thugs, cauldrons of pain. They've been let down. They've been let down.
people along your street are forming thug armies. Whole families are arming themselves with bicycle chain and pillowcases filled with D-cell batteries. Already you can hear the screams of the ravaged in the night as these hungry, angry, mentally unstable gangs move from house to house. In every neighborhood, in every place you go, somewhere down that street, they sleep during the day. They live like vampires. They live like zombies. They eat ravioli straight from the can. Probably your community has some of these groups already forming. They are the spontaneous manifestation of crazy. They are the expression of hunger and rage and sadness when it's reached a brick wall. No amount of essays from the Cato Institute, no amount of reading the Epic Times or flipping the Zero Hedge will assuage their general anger. They see through your bullshit. They see through your lies. They, you know, they see your disguise. You think you have a gun? Oh, Dan, I have a gun. I have a, I have a safe full of guns. How many hands do you have, Rambo? Oh, but I have a kid and a wife. How many hands do they have, Rambo? How many of you have actually killed somebody? You see, the people I'm talking about are at the brink. But you might still have food in your cupboard. You still might have, you know, some sort of propane or natural gas heating your home. You might have firewood. You might have rabbits. You might have anything other than nothing. You're not at the stage of the brink yet. You're not looking down the chasm of destruction. You're not doing sklink to get high and going down the street with Louisville sluggers, not yet. But these people down the street, the ones living in the abandoned house, you know the one I'm talking about. These people living in that old apartment complex, the one they're never going to tear down, right? The people living in that cubby hole, the people living in the sewer, the people living in the cave, they have run out of luck. What do you think they'll do? You think you got a gun? You think you can pull the trigger? I promise you, they might not have any guns, but they're ready to pull the trigger. Oh, they might not be accurate, but they're filled with the passion of destruction. They've lost all hope. Can you hear them right now? No, right now they're sleeping. Right now they're sleeping. Right now they're dozing. Right now they're passed out from last night's whiskey hooch. They're just sleeping it off. 
Right now, they're just sleeping it off, baby. You're going to call the cops, right? Well, we already talked about calling the cops, baby. The cops will be there just in time to smell your rotting corpse. So I say, in the age of the monkey herpes, the COVID, in the age of the race war and hypersonic bullshit missiles, in the age of the never-ending Trump drama, and who the hell knows what the real deal is with crypto, bozo. I just know you won't be using it during a black blackout, jackass. In this particular age that we're living in, the age of Bo Blimtot, sleep well, sleep well, sleep well, these dark nights of the, of the diseased mind. Sleep well during these dark nights of the diseased mind. Sleep well as those maddening banshee cries echo through your skull. Sleep well when you hear the dogs scream in the night. Sleep well when you see the rats rushing down the roadside. Sleep well, my friend. Sleep well, my friend. I blutched that up. I blutched it up, baby. I got coffee, gringos, and this room is particularly cold. It could be a root cellar, but I need to turn on the space heater. But I, I, it's always a process, baby, turning on that space heater. Next topic. So in my lifetime, and, and probably technically well before I was born, um, the general idea that this could be a multiverse has taken hold, and partly because of you know, quantum mechanics and quantum theory, and partly because of folks like Wheeler, and you can research, you know, Wheeler's expansionary universe theory, all that, that's up to you. But partly because of folks like Wheeler and other people that study choice theory and free will and the cosmology of cause and effect. Because of folks like these, there has been in recent decades a general acceptance of the possibility and maybe even the certainty that we live in a multiverse. We live in the universal gruntus that manifests itself as grumbly soup. And within it, there are realities and peoples and versions of yourself. Yeah, that's what we're told. We're told there's all these realities and everything else. I'm going to tell you that whether the multiverse is real or not, it, it doesn't matter in a way because I don't, I don't have any earthly idea or notion how I would prove it. People say, well, what about deja vu? Come on. Deja vu could be many things. And, and maybe it's a glimpse into the multiverse. But just as likely, it's a psychological artifact of consciousness. We don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, the deja vu thing is weird, but I don't think we understand stuff like that so well that we could say, well, here's proof, undeniable proof of the multiverse. So, you know, whether it's real or not, let's just, let's just talk about it in terms of ethics. I think if the multiverse is something you believe, then you almost must by necessity believe in ultimate moral relativism. And let me explain what I mean by that. Um... Moral relativism comes in many flavors. It sometimes, 
a manifestation of cultural relativism, the general idea that there is no such thing as a dominant culture, which I kind of agree with in a way. I'm not saying there aren't cultures I kind of would choose to avoid. I do choose to avoid. You know, in the United States, we have a lot of subcultures that I definitely avoid. The subculture that Seattle, Washington has become, I have fled more than once. And primarily, I've gone back there mainly because I've, you know, gotten to the end of my ropes and I needed to couch surf <laughs> with a family or a friend. But I don't think that's ever going to happen again. Um, not after the Rona. And not after people have revealed themselves so well. And really, I almost have to thank the PSYOPs folks at Langley because... Even though this trauma-based mind control is a real mind screw, and even though it is torture and it is killing people, and people are being killed for other reasons and not by the magical Rona, despite all that evil, it's done one thing in a spectacular way. It has revealed the true character of almost everybody I know. It is terrible, it is monstrous, the race war crap, the never-ending Trump crap, get over it, okay? He's not in office. The Biden dementia issuing kingly edicts every 72 hours that will never be enforced, but are designed to inflame crap. The, the revelations of evil doing that there is never justice for crap. All of it. The giant pile. And a lot of people I know looked at the pile and maybe they discarded a few things, but they found something they could hold on to, like a truth. Like something that's real. Oh, well, Dan, you know, climate change isn't real, but COVID is real. Or they'll say, oh, well, you know, COVID is real, but it's not that bad. I mean, that's like saying, you know, I can dribble, so I might be an NBA basketball player. I can dribble, and I might be an NBA basketball player, but I'm not. And, and yeah, there are lots of viruses, and if you want to pretend that one is called the Rona COVID and it's special to this situation and that we didn't use the PCR test wrong, if you need to believe the Rona is kind of real, you must also admit that it's kind of stupid to treat it with any seriousness and ergo, in the practical sense of having conversations about pandemics and epidemics and plagues, it is not real. It is not real. There is no grizzly apocalypse of grizzly bears uh, attacking Cheyenne, Wyoming right now. I will state definitively, definitively that 10,000 grizzlies are not attacking Cheyenne, Wyoming. But there are people out there who say, well, but maybe one grizzly is. Maybe somewhere in the nice neighborhood of Cheyenne, Wyoming... There's an extra hungry, extra crazy, rabies-ridden grizzly bear. And it's looking for love. It's looking for food. It's looking for stuff to, you know, to sell so it can buy sklink. That poor grizzly. Getting back to the multiverse, it is a form of moral relativism to believe in the multiverse. It is. I'm just going to say that straight up. But if you think that there's more than one universe, then there's a couple things. Number one, you're probably not a Christian. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, but there is nothing in Christian cosmology 
that could support the idea that God did an infinite number of creations. In fact, it is special that he created the universe. It would not be special if it was just a big accident. Because really, one of the ideas behind the multiverse is this notion that everything that can happen will happen. Therefore, if you make a good choice in this particular universe, your other versions of yourself might make shitty choices and vice versa. So what is sin? If, if everything is going to happen in the big universe of all possibilities, what is sin? What is error? What is a mistake? What's good? What's bad? If there's a universe where millions of people were killed and another universe where there wasn't, which is the better universe? How would you even decide such a thing? How would you have that conversation? If you're a Christian, you know that this is a fallen world. This is a dirty, nasty world of curses. This is a world where you bleed. This is a world where if you make a mistake, you can have a really bad day. But in the multiverse universe, if you make a mistake, you just get in your Rick and Morty spaceship or use your portal gun. And if you accidentally kill some people or, you know, whatever, you can just go find another version of yourself or another version of the person you killed and steal them or steal their universe or whatever. And the point is, it doesn't matter. In the multiverse, there is no God. There isn't. There's no need for a God. There's no need for a plan because the plan is everything. Everything that can, will, could happen, does happen, has happened, all of it's resolved is a giant expanding tree of possibilities. Everything happens. There's no need for a God to create anything if there's a multiverse. And I've talked about this subject before, but I thought it was important to narrow in on the moral relativism issue because I think a lot of folks, especially in the age of Bo Blimp Talk, the age of, you know, monkey herpes and Rona and race war and never-ending Trump pain, in this age of warmongering everyone, Syria, Iran, China, Russia, in this age of lies, you know, in this age of lies, moral relativism helps a lot of people sleep at night. It really does. It's why the, the newfangled Christianities do so well. And I call them newfangled because I don't know what else to call them and still not swear too much. And I call them Christianities. But, you know, if you're listening on the radio, you can't see how I spell that word. I'd definitely use a lowercase c with that and probably, you know, maybe a k. Because it's not anything to do with Christian. Or Christ. It sells many versions. There's many versions of the relativistic um, Jesus squad. There's, you know, there's BMW Jesus. If you pray to him, you'll get a BMW. And there's hookup Jesus. If you pray to hookup Jesus, you're going to get laid. And, and, you know, you pick a Jesus. There's our colored skin is better than everyone else's skin Jesus, or also known as racist Jesus. And it comes in many flavors. There are so many flavors of quote-unquote Jesus. And I will so boldly claim that most of them, probably almost all of them, are crap. And worse than that, they're misleading people. They're misleading people into sin. Anyways, I want to move on. But 
If you believe in the multiverse, then you probably don't believe in sin. And even, I would even go further, you probably don't believe in free will because what is free will in a multiverse? It is nothing. The future is merely an expression of all possibilities. You never had a choice because all choices are made. And if you come up with one of these spurious, dualistic, kind of like whatever arguments, you know, well, Dan, your consciousness, blah, blah, blah. You know what? The best case scenario with the multiverse is my consciousness is being held hostage at gunpoint. In your multiverse, my consciousness was put onto a rinky-dink roller coaster ride by Old Slim at the carnival with a cigarette sticking out of his mouth and a beer in the other hand and one hand on a rusty lever that makes noises. In the multiverse, that's what your consciousness is. Your consciousness is on a crappy ride. It has no choice. It will simply experience whatever experiences, pain, pleasure, love, hate, you're stuck. Next topic. Next topic. This is another quote from Dr. Freckles about creativity. Movements over corporations, I don't mean bowel movements, but I would even prefer bowel movements to corporations as they currently exist. Freedom over obedience. If you think obedience is a virtue, oh my God. Donations over bill collectors. That should be obvious and creativity over renting. Creativity over renting, or renting things out, being a rentier. What does that all mean? Should we unpack it? Or should we move to another topic, you know? Because the hour's getting late or near or nigh. Pretty close. We only got a few minutes left, right? right? I don't know. Movements over corporations means the following. If... I don't, I think that corporations originally were more like a kind of practical political movement. I think people formed corporations, and this is going back into English common law, and perhaps the best examples are from the, the age of exploration and the age of colonization. But if you go back to the 16th, the 17th, and the 18th century, people would form corporations so that they could go and go on an expedition and establish a settlement someplace. And sometimes these settlements worked out and sometimes they didn't. I think, you know, the Roanoke colony, there's that ancient mystery, Croatoan. And another thing too, even if the settlements worked out, they didn't necessarily work out for everybody. In all likelihood, there were probably some indigenous peoples that were pushed out. That also probably happened. But when corporations were first formed, they had a kind of purpose to them that you could say, okay, I, I can see it. it's a legal, it's a, it's, in a, it's a legal arrangement. It is provided for by some authority in the case of the English peoples, the kings and the queens and the parliament, fine. Um, you know, I'm an anarchist, so I think all that is pretty crooked. But when corporations were first set up, I don't think they were as crooked. But what I would say is that built into their DNA is the ability to simply become more crooked and the desire to become more crooked. So I think it was inevitable what would happen. But you could say, Dan, wasn't there a golden age? I don't know, maybe. But again, 
That was a long, long time ago. When I say movements over corporations, what I simply mean is this. I think we need to be passionate about our lives. And if you believe in freedom and you believe in free enterprise, then don't form a corporation. Don't form an LLC. Form a movement. Form an organization of people who are voluntarily joining together to do something. And you say, well, Dan, won't that be chaos? No. It requires actual leadership. Actual leadership doesn't involve force. Let me say that again. Actual leadership does not involve force. Okay? If someone doesn't want to participate in your movement, guess what? Your smartest move is to let them go. It isn't to like have guards at the doors, you know, and saying, oh, well, you better drink the Kool-Aid. You better participate. If you don't participate, we're going to kill you. We're not going to let you have a job. We're not going to let you go buy food if you don't do what all the other freaks are doing. Kind of like with the Rona vaccine nonsense. Who in their right mind trusts these pharmaceutical companies? If you have any common sense, if you have any experience at all, all right? Who in their right mind trusts these people? Why do you? And yet, you not only trust them in some cases, but you've established weird philosophical beliefs that if a person doesn't get vaccinated, they don't have a right to a job or a right to eat. That's not just crazy, but that's like crazy taken to the nth power. Movements over corporations. Freedom over obedience, I don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but during the age of Rona, people have come to believe that obedience is a virtue. Get bent. Good luck, though. Good luck. Because the world to come, your ability to obey is not going to hurt you. It's not going to help you. It's going to hurt you. And it's certainly not going to be a survival strategy. So good luck with that. Good luck pointing guns at people. Good luck with the guns pointed at you. Donations over bill collectors. I'll tell you what I mean by this. I dream of a world without lawyers. I mean, the, the world we built of this formal legalistic system is in many ways a big part of why the system is failing. So I don't want a world of lawyers and bill collectors and lawsuits. What I would much rather have is a world of donations. If I was running a restaurant in a free world, I would much rather make it a donation-based service than say, you need to pay this much. And what's worse, if you don't pay it, I'm going to send a bill collector after you. But I will say this, a person's reputation in a world where, you know, there are no bill collectors is going to be far more important than a person's reputation today. Because today, any old schlub can quote-unquote restore their credit. And any old schlub can go back and get into debt again. So, yeah. Donations over bill collectors, I say. And creativity over renting. And I don't want to spend more time on this topic. Next topic. So I was at Uncle Ike's about a year ago during the great COVID pandemic of 2020 when so many millions were being killed by the monkey herpes Rona. I was at Uncle Ike's, which is a pot store in Seattle, 
And, you know, they pretty much obeyed the rules right from the beginning in their own special way and whatever. It's kind of gross, but fine. I was at the place and I was having a conversation about, you know, all the tyranny. And this young redheaded woman said, well, now it's your turn. And let me explain what she meant because we'd had a couple of these conversations and it basically was, well, it seems like, you know, this group was oppressed and this group was oppressed and that group was oppressed. So now your group needs to be oppressed. And I didn't have time or interest to explain that I was, you know, an Irish American and that actually there is a history of oppressing Irish people and that for some Irish people, it's not so ancient. I got a story for you, redhead. Redhead from Uncle Ike's. In 2007, I was at the Detroit Athletic Club. I was having lunch with the CIO, that's the Chief Information Officer of Henry Ford Medical Center, and one of his fellow salespeople type person internally who works in marketing. And the CIO and one of my business partners was up, you know, getting their their lunch from the buffet table there because that's how they served the lunch at the Detroit Athletic Club, right? Great. Remember, I said 2007. I didn't say 1997 or 1807 or, or, or 1907. I said 2007. That's the 21st century for those of you in public school. And this dude sitting across the table from me said, you program computers? Yeah, I, I program computers. But aren't you Irish? Yeah, I'm Irish. This redheaded Uncle Ike's was trying to imply that I was a member of a group that had never been exposed to pain or suffering, that had never been oppressed. And what I would have said to this young woman is that you've got it all wrong. We are all being taken advantage of. We are all being screwed with. All of this division, all of this hate is designed and engineered on Madison Avenue and at Langley. All of it comes from the deep state. All of the pent-up rage nonsense is fully funded by Bank of America and the Federal Reserve. So when you talk to me about Black Lives Matter or Antifa or the Rona monkey herpes nonsense, you're talking to me about things designed to enrage and to alienate and to isolate and to punish all of us. Not one group, not a special group. Every group. If, if you want to think in those terms, which are really stupid terms to reason in, if you ask me. I don't care that that dude said something nasty about Irish people in 2007. I have other stories like that. And I don't really give a crap at this point in time if someone thinks because I'm white and male, I must have all the advantages or something. I don't care. Because I'll tell you something. If any of those things were problems, they were problems from two, three, four, five, six years ago, if they ever were. But actual problems, real problems, real challenges are right around the corner, brothers and sisters. 
not make-believe challenges, not kind of real viruses that might kind of be ready for the NBA, not sort of real race wars that look like trash. No, things like food, water, shelter. Things like, you know, roving gangs of thugs who no longer care about the color of your skin or what kind of clothes you wear or who you voted for. They don't care what you think your class is. They don't care how smart you think you are, how dumb you are. They are simply hungry and desperate. And if they don't live near where you do right now, it's coming soon to a theater near you. You know, this particular young woman um, wasn't necessarily a bad person. It's just that she got suckered into something. And a lot of people have been suckered. And like I said, I've learned so much about my fellow human beings. Many things I assumed. Many things I, I thought were true. I had a conjecture of. Prior to 2020, I now have proof. Proof that's good enough for myself. Proof of the truth of a lot of people, a lot of people right now are so deeply confused that it's dangerous to their existence and they don't even understand how that's the case. They are so deeply confused, so deeply in the thrall of their paradigm, they don't have a way out, just like this young woman. And I can tell you something, if you don't break out of that racism, communism, all the ism nonsense, if you don't break out of the prejudice nonsense, if you don't break out of the Republican-Democrat left-right nonsense, you might be doomed. Because the problems you need to be ready to solve have nothing to do with politics. The problems you need to be ready to solve have nothing to do with lawyers. And I, and I can tell you, lawyers and politicians and Bitcoin won't help you. And I know that makes people angry because people want to believe. People really, 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 oh my gosh, people really need to believe. Um, people really need to believe that somehow, some way, this all works out. Well, anyways, next topic. Perhaps the last topic, I don't know. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Emotional maturity... Emotional maturity has a lot in common, you know, with scar tissue. Emotional maturity has a lot in common with, you know, scar tissue. I don't know what you would call emotional maturity. Sometimes I think the reality of it is just another feature of not dying. Like if you live long enough and you don't die and you more or less participate in human affairs with other people, you're going to have collisions. You're going to have mistakes. You're going to have relationships that go down the tubes. You're going to know people you love that die. You're going to know people you hate that live on. 
you're going to know suffering, but you'll also know some exaltation. You'll know a lot, really, by the time it's all over, right? Being able to tolerate people. That comes in the word tolerance. Well, tolerance builds up over time. You build up tolerances for poisons. You build up tolerances for drugs. So yeah, you'll build up tolerance for people and you will tolerate them. That's emotional maturity, but that's also scar tissue. And, and perhaps relationships are the worst, you know. I think almost everybody should have at least one failed marriage. I know that sounds bad. I don't really mean it. I kind of wish idealistically in a way, I guess, as a Christian too, it would be great if marriages simply lasted. But as a Christian, I've read my Bible. And going back to the very beginning, when we were kicked out of Eden, that was never going to be the case. It was never going to be the case that marriage would be easy. One of the curses from God, and if you're a Christian and you don't know who God is, you should do some work. But one of the curses from God when we left Eden was enmity between men and women. You know what that means? That means hatred. That means jealousy. That means envy, disgust. That means that no matter how much in love you are, based on a curse from God, you're going to have days where that person you care about, you just want to pick up a rock and pound them in the head. And why don't you do it? Emotional maturity, baby. That layer of scar tissue. That thick layer of, of tissue that covers your soul. This has been the Planetary Status Report. 